Greetings and welcome to the Uncensored Humanity Podcast. If you're new to the show, this is a long-form podcast where I sit down with guests and we just have a conversation. Now, these conversations are not scripted. They are raw and real. There's no editing. So wherever they go, they go. So hopefully you guys will enjoy the conversations as much as I know that I will. This episode is brought to us by Mike the Strongman. Are you tired of getting your training and nutrition advice from someone with only a weekend certification? Then perhaps it's time to turn to someone with over 15 years of research-based experience. Mike the Strongman can help you with all your training and nutrition needs. Mike has a proven track record of getting results with his clients. Visit MikeTheStrongMan.com for more information or email Mike at MikeTheStrongMan at gmail.com if you're ready to take your performance to the next level. This episode is also brought to us by the Healthiest You Chiropractic Center. The Healthiest You Chiropractic Center in Strongsville, Ohio is dedicated to giving their patient community the highest level of health care. Their doctors have been trained on the newest and most innovative styles of chiropractic and rehabilitative treatments. From back pain to ankle strains, the Healthiest You has remedies for a variety of injuries. Are you looking to perform better in life and activity? Their team takes a wellness-based approach on health rather than only focusing on symptoms such as pain. Call 440-238-3338 or email them at thychiro, that's T-H-Y-C-H-I-R-O, at gmail.com for questions about becoming a patient. Now is a better time than ever to become the healthiest you. And last but not least, this episode is brought to us by CrossFit Strongsville. CrossFit Strongsville is a place where everyday people become heroes every day. Through qualified coaching, challenging yet modifiable exercise programming, and a supportive community unlike any other, members find a way to break through personal barriers physically, mentally, and emotionally. No matter what level you're at, from the very beginner to the elite, you'll find you receive great service from the moment you walk through the door, and we promise it will be one of the best hours of your day. Check out CrossFitStrongsville.com for more information and to sign up for a free one-on-one consultation with the owner, a 12-year veteran of the fitness and therapy fields. Okay, folks, we have a special treat for you today. Today we have back with us one of our favorite guests, Dr. Maximilian Zart, and we have a first-time guest, Dr. Lucas Summers. Both of them are from the Healthiest You Chiropractic Center. And today we have two doctors of chiropractic care professionals on to discuss a podcast that was done by Joe Rogan and Yvette Dontremont called Chiropractors Are Bullshit. On Joe Rogan's podcast, they talked a lot about the origin of chiropractic care, which sounds a little shady to say the least, and they had a bunch of other things that were not so good to say about chiropractors. Now, on our podcast, we discussed a bunch of topics that they brought up on the Joe Rogan podcast, and hopefully we were able to show a different side of the argument so that people can make up their own minds if chiropractic care is something that is right for them or not. After Joe Rogan's podcast came out, the three of us got together and decided we wanted to do kind of a rebuttal, and that's basically what this podcast is all about. Now, there are some things that they talked about on the podcast that we did agree with, and there are some things that we didn't agree with, and we just wanted to bring a better perspective of kind of different angles so that people can make up their own minds for what they want to believe or not. We definitely had a good conversation, and I hope that you will enjoy it as much as we did. So sit back. Strap in and enjoy our conversation.
Greetings and welcome to another episode of the Uncensored Humanity Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Hess, and today we have a very special treat for you. We have back with us one of our favorite guests, Dr. Maximilian Zart. Max, how are we doing? Good. Thanks for having me again. You're very welcome. And we also have with us Dr. Lucas Summers. How are you doing, Doc? I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here. So, Dr. Max and Dr. Lucas agreed to come on, and they both work here in Strongsville, Ohio, at the Healthiest You Chiropractic Center. And we're going to kind of do a, uh, how do I say this politely, uh, like a nice rebuttal uh, to a podcast that we all heard from uh, the Joe Rogan experience with uh, Yvette Dantremont about chiropractic care, and I believe they called it Chiropractic is Bullshit. And that came from an article that Yvette had written, and we didn't quite agree with all that was said. So we're going to kind of just have a perspective here from some some doctors who actually work in the chiropractic care and the doctors that I come to for my medical care. And we're just going to kind of talk about some basics and maybe what was kind of not so right with the podcast that uh, that we heard and uh, where we can go going forward. So uh, getting started, um, Dr. Max has been on the podcast before. So if you guys haven't heard that episode, I believe it's episode number three. Go back, listen to that. You kind of get his story. Now, Dr. Lucas, this is your first time on the podcast. Why don't you kind of get us up to date real quick of kind of how you got into chiropractic care and kind of a little bit of your story. So, uh, well, I grew up in Parma, Ohio. Um, I went to undergraduate program at Miami University with an idea that I was going to go to PT school. I had a close friend of mine my freshman year that actually suggested chiropractic, and that was the first I had ever thought of it. Uh, so I contacted a chiropractor back home. Uh, I came home. I shadowed the doc. I got to see what the practice was like. And in, in, in his practice, they did chiropractic adjusting. They had physical therapy, rehabilitative program, uh, and different therapeutic modalities. So it was all-encompassing, and I saw what they were capable of. And at that time, they did have their doctorate. So what that meant is as a patient, you could come directly off the street to see that provider to get that style of care. And in that setting, I knew from then on that's what I wanted to do. But I was already living the chiropractic lifestyle as far as eating well, getting quality sleep, uh, a big focus in nutrition, Background in kinesiology, that's what my undergraduate program was in. Um, but you had the ability to be that provider when you needed to be that provider. And uh, that's all she wrote. And that's that was the story. So from then on, I knew exactly what I was going to do. The cool thing to that is I did not grow up with chiropractic, and I had never been adjusted making that decision. So, so you've never even been to a chiropractor's office? I've only been to the chiropractic office to shadow, and it was brief shadowing. Uh, so what I started to do in my spare time is I started to read chiropractic books uh, that really shed a lot of light on chiropractic core philosophy. And I grew up, I was never uh, a big medicine taker. Um, there's time and place for it, and I believe in that, but I just didn't utilize that unless it was necessary. I completely understand that. So um, so yeah, I was living that lifestyle. Um, I, it's cool having Dr. Max on the show with me and being in his office and practicing alongside him. Because I shadowed five, six, seven docs prior to going to chiropractic school, and I had never been adjusted. Now, none of the docs actually asked me about if I had been adjusted or not, so I, I never received an adjustment. Oh, so they were, you were just following them around and seeing what they did and asking questions, doing those kind of things. Exactly. But I was shadowing, uh, seeing different techniques being utilized, uh, seeing the way different practices operated, what their core philosophies were versus other chiropractors. Well, I ended up meeting uh, Dr. Max six weeks before I went to school. 
And I, I told him that I had never been adjusted. And he's like, we cannot let you go to chiropractic school without receiving a chiropractic adjustment. That seems like a pretty good recommendation. Absolutely. He was right because my class had about 100 people in it. Uh, many of the students in chiropractic have a background of their own experience as a patient in chiropractic that led them there or a background in sports or weightlifting that chiropractic really helped them uh, doing what they love to do. And that's why they were there getting their doctorate in chiropractic. Um, and then the rest of the students, their families, their dads, their uncles, somebody in that family line was a chiropractor. Thus, they were chiropractic students. They'd all been adjusted. Uh, I probably would have been one of five and 100 people that had not been adjusted as a chiropractic student. Um, so I'm very fortunate that I met Dr. Max beforehand to be adjusted and go down to school with that experience and, and that last piece to the puzzle of my lifestyle from then to now to future, family, that sort of thing. Excellent. So I guess the, a good place to start um, with this podcast, it's you know pretty much going to be chiropractors or bullshit, um, is, is to start with the beginning. Now, Yvette Tremont's, uh article, Chiropractors Are Bullshit, talked about the uh, gentleman who came up with chiropractic medicine was a gentleman named Daniel David Palmer. And this was at 1895 in Davenport, Iowa. And they call him D.D. Palmer, I believe. Now, that is the school that you guys both went to, correct? Just me, actually. So just, uh, this is Dr. Max. So just me, I went to Palmer College of Chiropractic. I went to the Florida campus. The main campus is in Iowa where chiropractic was founded, but Dr. Lucas actually went to Parker. Okay. So that can get a little bit confusing. Yeah, but he I, went to, I thought it was the same Parker. one. Two Ps, both fantastic schools, um, but Palmer is the founding school of chiropractic. Um, the profession of chiropractic today is a, quite a bit different from the chiropractic profession in 1897 when they started the school. Um, so that that's the big piece and kind of where we wanted to roll into um, with that article. But yeah, you're exactly right. So Dee Dee Palmer is the founder of chiropractic. The way the story goes, or at least the way we're taught it in school, is that there was a custodian working in Dee Dee Palmer's building. And at that time, he was a magnetic healer. So he'd go by and he'd wave magnets over you to heal ailments. And uh, true or false, effective or not, he, this gentleman that was a custodian in the building his name was harvey lillard and harvey lillard would make real frustrating noises throughout the building because he was deaf so because he couldn't hear the noises he was making he would drive people nuts (laughs) and so there's a lot of different renditions of the story uh palmer chiropractic tells a more noble interpretation of the story where uh palmer actually took a look at him took a look at his spine and his neck after magnetic healing wasn't effective realized that one of the bones in his back was out of place based on how he felt the spine to be. And he pushed on it, put it back into place, and the guy's hearing came back. Which, I'm sorry to say, sounds like a load of bullshit. Sounds bizarre, right? So every school tells a different story, too. There, Obviously, the chiropractic schools do compete to a degree. Uh, one of the schools I uh, visited before I went to Palmer Chiropractic tells the story that he threw a book at him. That he threw a book at him, hit him in the neck... And it knocked that bone back into place, which triggered the cascade that became chiropractic. It's highly unlikely. Um, so it sounds, yeah, it sounds kind of funny. Although if there was a deaf guy wandering around your building making bizarre noises, maybe that is what happened. <laughs> uh, and if you do delve a little bit deeper into Dee Dee Palmer's story, he is a unique 
ornery, feisty individual. So it actually doesn't seem that outlandish that he'd throw something at a guy, <laughs> knock it back into place, realize that it worked, and then dig into the science behind it. So yeah, the science behind chiropractic didn't really catch up with the profession until much later on. Um, but that's that's the general story of how chiropractic started, and it does sound bizarre, but truthfully, any healthcare practice sounds bizarre. Anything innovative sounds bizarre until the science or research can catch up to whatever it was you were doing that was working. And that's a uh, fair statement. That's pretty common, especially with people who are uh, visionaries and revolutionary in, in their techniques. Everybody always thinks of their crackpots until... They, everything's kind of shown to work, and then everybody gets on board. That's yeah. just kind of how that works. Most, most studied man in the world supposedly uh, turned water into wine. So <laughs> it, uh, it, it, a lot of those stories start off real outlandish before they become commonplace as we recognize them yeah. in so, social norms. Uh, you know, chiropractic still isn't quite a social norm, although if you come to Strongsville, Ohio, it, it seems to be a little bit more of a social norm where we're at. Um, and that just is a matter of, again, our science catching up with the profession. Uh, when chiropractic first started out, everybody who went into chiropractic was going into it to be a chiropractor, not to be a researcher. So when you go to medical school or you walk onto a medical school campus, probably 10 to 20% of the students there have no intention of actually doing patient hours, but rather being researchers. Where in chiropractic, that wasn't the case for a very long time. And I can speak from my own experience, uh, having gone through chiropractic school, at least three of my classmates went to chiropractic school to do chiropractic research. And so now we're getting that opportunity to have research behind us that proves the efficacy of our care. Um, I'm not one of those people. I'm one of those people, actually, my, my undergraduate degrees in instrumental chemistry and realized I didn't want to spend the rest of my life in a lab doing research. I wanted to be around people and I wanted to get that type of social experience. So I know I personally am not cut out to spend time in a lab and do research. And, you know, it'd probably be for the betterment of our profession if Dr. Lucas and I were writing research articles on every effective case we had, because we've had countless numbers of them. But the truth is, you know, both he and I, we got in the profession and changed patients' lives uh, more than anything and uh, make a mark on our community. And so I'm really appreciative of those people who do the research. I'm just not cut out to be that person. Uh, maybe Dr. Lucas can uh, attribute a little bit more to that conversation. I mean, what do you think? Uh, absolutely. Um, even just thinking back, uh, I'm a more recent grad. I graduated in April 2017. Um, so I've been in practice with Dr. Max for uh, almost a year and a half now. And um, I don't know any student in my the hundred students that I started with that started as a chiropractic um, chiropractic student getting their doctorate that wanted to do chiropractic research. I, I would say a hundred out of a hundred students in my class wanted to be the chiropractor to be the alternative care medicine that could serve people at a high level, uh, you know, amongst all these concepts of wellness and eating healthy, because that's being more recognized now than ever before. Um, so th that's something that like Dr. Max also said that research is catching up to every piece of chiropractic, every piece of that puzzle now, um, which is cool. And we're, we're putting more chiropractors in the field and, even just listening to the podcast, they talked about a few things and uh, they were talking about chiropractic education. And this is kind of a funny one because when I came in this morning uh, and talked to Dr. Max, I said, you know, it's perfect to have you on because you're a Palmer graduate. The, the, they talked about Daniel David Palmer 
and you got he at his school he's definitely learned more of the history so being a more recent grad at a different school um the chiropractic is bullshit piece was largely based on the origin and as we said things evolve from anything right innovation yes well in my school there wasn't a big teaching on the origin well i mean realistically from from what I have read and listened to the podcast, that would make a lot of sense because it sounds like bullshit. Yeah, yeah I mean, absolutely. You've got a guy who claims that he, you know, healed a deaf man by cracking his back, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense scientifically. Mm-hmm. And then you hear that the the guy came up with a whole idea from having a seance with a dead doctor. See, and that's like, hold on a second now. Like, <laughs> I believe in other realms and other dimensions and spirits and those kind of things. I believe in all that. That's fine. But it, it seems a little ludicrous to, to think of, you know, some sort of medicine being, you know, talked about like through a seance with a, with a dead doctor. <laughs> and I got to be honest, uh, listening to that podcast, with Joe Rogan and uh, Yvette, that was the first time I heard the, the DD uh, dead doctor seance. I had never heard that before. I was not taught that in school. Yeah. They don't tell you that try one. Well, because, I mean, realistically, try 10 and graduate. Why would they need to teach you that? I mean, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because, I mean, the origins of it is is almost irrelevant Mm -hmm. because, I mean, we can see things work and you can help people by manipulating them and doing therapy and uh, massage and all those, those kind of things that you guys do here in the office. And it's like you can help people get better without just pumping them full of drugs like the medical field seems to like to do. So they're not going to spend tons of time talking about it because it's irrelevant. You need to learn how to actually do what it is that you went to school to do. Right. Absolutely. And one of the cool things to listen to that podcast, uh, they really questioned us being doctors, um, really referring a hierarchy as medical doctor being the baseline um, or, you know, the top of the totem pole. But in reality of it, doctor means to teach. And, I actually have a photo that if I could grab on my phone and read some things to you, it's it's educational hours between a chiropractic student and a medical student to put into perspective of what we're actually learning versus what they thought we were learning. Uh, as, as if uh, the D.D. Palmer, or yeah, D.D. and B.J. backstory was our whole 10 tries of school and it's just spinal manipulation, spinal manipulation, we're going to cure everything. There's a lot of context behind our educational hours that most people don't know of. And we get that question a lot in practice, you know, how long is chiropractic school? Um, You know, it's three and a half years in most colleges, uh, three and a half to four years. And there's a lot of educational hours. And I thought this was really cool because most people aren't aware of this. And it was something I saw as a student that I was, you know, proud of myself in knowing that I, you know, I chose the right profession. We have a lot of science and they put a lot into it as far as training us to be a medical provider um, and, and earn that doctorate and just learn for the future. But yeah. And, and, and to even add to that. So um, anybody who's attended college knows, you know, full-time college credit hours is usually 12 credit hours a quarter or a trimester or semester. Uh, my average course load for a, quarter in uh, Palmer, Palmer College of Chiropractic in Florida was 30 credit hours. So over double the full-time credit hours of an average undergrad student. So just to give you perspective, even when they say, oh, well, they only go to school for three and a half years. Yeah, but I'm doing twice as much. So it's going like going to school for seven. So, um, you know, even from that perspective, we're in the classroom all 
day, every day. And then when we're not, we're studying because we're tested constantly. So, you know, he's going to he's gonna read off some of the hours here because he's got the chart in front of him. But the misinterpretation there, like he said, that we're just adjusting away for five hours a day and then high-fiving and telling history stories about voodoo magic and then going home, that's not what it was. Truthfully, in a six to seven hour day, um, of chiropractic school, you were lucky if in that day you got one hour of chiropractic manipulation and care. The other six or so hours was the didactic work, the clinician work, uh, how to diagnose scabies and things that seem completely out of the element of what a chiropractor does. But the truth is we are licensed physicians in every state of the union. And what that means is we need to be able to diagnose anything from a primary care perspective or at least recognize who we should send that patient to. So they maybe wouldn't expect me to diagnose every form of cancer, but I need to be able to recognize cancer generally on an x-ray so that I can send you to an oncologist or other specialist to get it treated. So that's one of the misconceptions too. Uh, I've had a patient walk in this door after a uh, after we detected uh, an unusual spot on her bladder, uh, looking at x-rays of a low back, uh, sent her out to the oncologist. She fought, fought, fought. Doctors finally shot an MRI of her, found out she had stage four cancer. They ended up saving her life. She walked back in my door about six months later after me kind of losing contact with her, not knowing what happened after I sent her out of my office. She walked in the door before I could even approach her. She yells out in my waiting room, this is the doctor that saved my life. I wouldn't be standing here without him. So... That is why we get to be called doctors, not just the adjusting part. I could teach you how to adjust my back today. That's not what makes us doctors. What makes us doctors is the ability to recognize and clinically diagnose just about any ailment that you could go to your primary care medical doctor or doctor of osteopathy for as well. Um, so that's really where all the education, where all the credit hours come into. If I showed you the biochemistry portion of our board exams to become licensed physicians, it's really no different than the biochemistry portion of a medical doctor's board exam. The gaping difference between our education is we get extra spinal anatomy, we get nutrition, and we get the whole adjusting aspect of chiropractic. And a medical doctor or DO would have to seek out adjusting. DOs especially can adjust, but it's not always part of the curriculum. Sometimes it's something that they have to pursue as an, um, an extra credit. But they don't really do the adjusting. They get your general spinal anatomy. They don't really do nutrition unless, again, they're seeking it out. But instead of all those things, they get pharmacology. So our knowledge of pharmacology is very limited. So pharmacology meaning drugs. And so with us, they teach us enough about drugs to know not to recommend a certain supplement if someone were on a certain drug. And that's about all they give us. And actually, at least in my school, a medical doctor taught that class. So that wasn't being taught about drugs from a chiropractor. That was being taught about pharmaceuticals from a medical doctor uh, so that we wouldn't endanger any of our patients by suggesting that uh, um, someone on blood thinners take extra fish oils without another physician's consultation who has more education in that field than us. Um, here at The Healthy Issue 2, you may even detect, by the way we're talking, I'm really not anti-medicine. One of my best friends is a medical doctor. My father-in-law is a medical doctor. So we are really really not anti-medicine. We just do things differently. And there's a time and a place for all of it. You know, I have 
two little girls. We had them both in a hospital, uh, but we used midwives. So we try to go as natural and as healthy as we can, but there still is a time and a place and an appropriate way to use medical doctors and DOs, just like there's a time and a place and an appropriate way to use a chiropractor. I wouldn't suggest that everyone use their chiropractor to diagnose cancer. That's that's not what we should do. That's not our strength or our wheelhouse. I can recognize that cancer exists, but I'm not going to be able to tell you the difference between every different form of cancer you may have, so I'd much rather send you out to an oncologist for that. But truth be told, your primary care medical doctor would do the same exact thing. We just all stay in our lane. Uh, but Dr. Lucas has that chart pulled up, so I want him to kind of read off those hours to you. So in, in anatomy, so both uh, educations, we obviously study anatomy. Um, chiropractic, there's 540 hours, classroom hours for anatomy um, versus your education medical class hours. It's 510. So just starting with the structure of the body, which is super important in both aspects. Um, chemistry, kind of just following up what he said, uh, in a chiropractic setting is 165. In a medical setting, it's 325, but that is obviously very important because they do pharmacology, so they need to understand a little bit more because their scope is providing and uh, prescribing different medications. So that makes sense. Um, As far as diagnosis, a chiropractor, 630 hours, a medical education student, 325. Um, Because musculoskeletally, there's a lot of different diagnoses. And like Dr. Max said, they educate us to diagnose everything, even though a lot of those things in practice, we don't see a whole lot of. So as long as we can recognize it, that that makes us a better provider in every sense of the word. Um, Microbiology, 120 to 115. Uh, Neurology, 320 in a chiropractic education versus 110. Um, Orthopedics, 210 to 155. Pathology, this is actually an interesting one because it's 360 class hours to 400 class hours in a medical setting. And my pathology teacher was also a medical doctor. We had two of them. I had pathology one, pathology two. Both were medical doctors teaching us that education. Um, physiology, 240 in a chiropractic setting to 325. And then radiology, 360 to 150. So the total course study hours between the two, chiropractic 3,065 and medical class hours uh, 2,710. Now, there are some outside courses, as Dr. Max mentioned, chiropractic, very big on spinal manipulation, nutrition, uh, physiotherapy, PT, which we're taught in school and actually take a board exam on, um, advanced radiology and other subjects. It's about 1,400 class hours. Whereas those extracurricular ones in a medical setting really em- emphasize pharmacology, immunology, uh, general surgery, and other related subjects. But at the end of the day, the grand total of course study hours between the two in a chiropractic education to become a doctor is 4,485 versus 4,250 in a medical setting, um, which, which that's pretty cool to hear. And I'm sure when they were going through that podcast, neither of them had those numbers. Most so, likely not. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's cool. It's cool to be able to share that with you guys. Um, now, now, PT is something that I want to kind of pick up on here because that's something they talked a lot about in the podcast. And they had said that, hey, if, you're, if your back is out or your shoulders hurt or this and that, like you need to go to a physical therapist. You need to go to a physical therapist. You need to go to a physical therapist. Like don't waste your time on the chiropractic bullshit. And, and they had talked about how that there wasn't a lot of difference between massage 
and spinal manipulation when there's problems with the back. And there's lots of other injuries that I come in with because I'm an athlete that, that you guys deal with. And we're always doing therapies on them and ultrasound and laser. And, and you're always, uh, what do they call it when you scrape it? The myobrasion or Graston. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So we, we're doing all that kind of stuff. So like those are the kind of therapies that, like, that I get like when I come here to the Healthiest You Chiropractic Center. And it's like I've got a friend who has a pinched nerve in his arm. Or somewhere in his neck or something's going on. He literally cannot raise his arm. He looks like T-Rex. He tries to raise it and like his elbow stays real tight to his body and his hand comes up to about his shoulder. And that's all that he can do. And he's seen numerous doctors and he's gone to these people and he's trying to see a neurologist and he's going to physical therapy and he's doing all these things. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. It's everything's good. And he thought it was a torn rotator cuff. And they said, yeah, there's a minor tear, but it'll heal itself. Don't worry about it. It's not a complete tear. You're fine. Go home. And it's like, how the hell is he fine? Like, the guy can't raise his arm. Like, he literally can't turn the heater on in his truck because he can't move his arm over there. And I tried to get him to come here. I tried to get him to come see you guys. And he wouldn't listen because he was waiting for another month or whatever it was to go see a neurologist. And it's like, so here's a guy that I personally know. I don't know all the details of it, but he's seen multiple doctors he's seen physical therapists they all tell him like you're fine don't worry and he did nothing to injure anything he just woke up one morning and couldn't could not move his arm and is clearly not fine so that's the interesting thing about chiropractic the state um sets us up licensure wise physician wise to be a portal of entry provider meaning we should be the first doctor you see and then if it's something we can't manage we send you to someone else but the irony is that rather than being that doctor, I would say four out of every five patients who come in here have already gone everywhere else yeah. before they come here. And, and that makes a lot of sense because most people think of chiropractic care as bullshit. Or faux pas. Yeah, very. It's, you know, they think they're going to come in here and we're going to be putting incense burners going, waving yeah. crystals over and you're them. Gonna, doing, you're going to fix their knee by cracking their neck. Yeah. Like, no, it doesn't exactly. really work like that. Yeah. And here's the thing. There are chiropractors who think that. There are chiropractors who adjust one bone in the top of your neck, and they think that cures everything. Now, what are those doctors called? Upper cervical doctors. And truth be told, um, one of Dee Palmer's, well, Dee Palmer's son was an upper cervical chiropractor for a very long time. Towards the end of his career and lifespan, he came away from that and brought full spine chiropractic adjusting into the school. But... Those people kind of hold on to that old retrograde version of chiropractic and it, yeah, it doesn't really help when you're comparing that to the style of care that we provide here at The Healthiest Jew, um, but it's no different than if you went to uh, your typical medical doctor who's prescribing everything and then went to Dr. Oz for your medical care who <laughs> is not like that at all. Oh yeah, that's a great so, idea. I yeah. didn't... Uh... <laughs> Like grand jury or something like rule against him and he can't give like medical advice on TV yeah, anymore because so he's just it's, a freaking loon. Because you're providing healthcare too uh, without knowing people's ailments. So that's – yeah, that was where he kind of got in trouble. I actually don't hate Dr. Oz. He went into the wrong profession. He probably should have been a chiropractor. <laughs> but I mean apparently uh, he's an excellent surgeon. Yeah, And he yeah. needs to just kind of stay in his lane stay and there. stop trying to be rich and famous. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> he – um, you know, going back to that and you asked about PT – we are not an anti-PT office either. We have a close relationship with a PT about two miles from this office, and we do send our patients out to them when they're looking for more involved and dedicated exercises for their injuries, uh, especially athletes. 
Um, the, the PT we work with, uh, or the PTs we work with do wonders with athletes. Um, and they work in a, uh, fitness facility that does Olympic weightlifting and sports specific training. So we provide some exercise and rehabilitation here, but the truth is our facility doesn't really allow for a tremendous amount of rehabilitation and exercise in that nature. So we can give people some pretty simple exercises, but if they want to get deep and nitty gritty with it, we send them over to the physical therapist and it works great. And we have a wonderful working relationship. We don't step on each other's toes and it kind of goes back to staying in each other's lanes. Uh, most physical therapists, who are not anti-chiropractic will openly tell you that a chiropractor definitely is head and shoulders above them in the manipulation field. So the adjustments and uh, a PT is going to stand head and shoulders above us in the exercise field. Now there's going to be, you know, outliers to that. There might be a chiropractor who's not really good adjuster, but really focuses on therapeutic exercise. Um, and there might be a physical therapist who doesn't really focus a whole lot on therapeutic exercise like they should and likes to adjust people all the time. Um, but I, w I would say in those specific scenarios, that's two different individuals that went to the wrong school. Uh, but stereotypically, if a chiropractor and a physical therapist stay in their lanes, they can actually cohabitate and work on the same patient uh, together to get maximum results. The problem comes in that Physical therapists are the newest doctor, so they're the newest profession to be allowed to be called physician by each state uh, and through licensure. So, you know, I, I don't know how long ago it was, probably 10 years, maybe a little bit more. They were not referred to as doctors of physical therapy or DPTs. They were just PTs, and it was more of a master's degree. Um, and then they recently here have become DPTs. So if you go see an old physical therapist, they're not DPTs, they're just PTs, um, where the newer ones are doctors of physical therapy. And I think that some of it is that, see, I told you about all the different chiropractors and the different ways they practice. So we don't really join hands as a unified front and say, this is chiropractic, this is what we do, this is what we don't do. Send your patients to us if they have these problems. Instead, chiropractors are all over the map about what they do. Chiropractors can't agree on what they do. And there are chiropractors who think they can cure everything. And then there's chiropractors who think they can only cure back and neck pain. So, and everything in between. So because we don't form a unified front, we also receive a lot of skepticism. Where a physical therapist... The general idea is that you go to a physical therapist to either prevent yourself from needing surgery or after you've had surgery, you go to a physical therapist to rehabilitate the area to get it functioning at its highest percentage. So because everybody knows that's what physical therapists do and physical therapists know that's what they do and medical doctors and DOs know that's what physical therapists do, they're much more widely accepted even though they're a much younger doctorate profession than chiropractic, which has been around for over 100 years now. So that's that's why you are more likely to be sent to a physical therapist than a chiropractor by your medical doctor or DO. Um, and that, you know, I think that's still changing. I'll be honest, in, in our town, I, we treat medical doctors. I, I mentioned that in the previous podcast. We treat medical doctors. We treat DOs. We treat dentists, podiatrists. We treat all of them. Uh, so 
they in turn do send patients to us. So it's becoming a little bit more widely acceptable. And what helps is when these other physicians are coming into our office, now they know what we do. So they know what they would send a patient here for. Um, And that really helps. So I'm not anti-PT. Sometimes PTs and chiropractors will butt heads because they feel like they fight for the same patients. We really don't. Physical therapists don't really thrive on correcting the alignment of the spine or joints or anything like that. The area where it can get a little rocky is like you mentioned, if you have knee pain. And so correcting that knee pain, now a physical therapist and a chiropractor kind of do compete for that knee pain patient because we're going to use some exercise. We're going to use some soft tissue therapies and we might use some of our um, passive modalities like the laser, the ultrasound, muscle stimulation And a physical therapist would probably do a lot of those things too. So that's where we kind of overlap. But on the average spinal patient, we don't really overlap. We're going to take x-rays of you. We're going to see where your spine doesn't look the way it should look based on an anatomy book. And we're going to fix it. And then we're going to take another x-ray of you. And we're going to show you that we fixed it by putting the two x-rays next to each other. That's as scientific as it gets. It's kind of hard to argue that. Exactly. And that's why we do it. It's very objective. It takes me out of it. I'm not doing the Jedi mind trick, waving my hand past your face and saying, you're cured. You know, this is the care you were looking for. (laughs) And instead, you get to see the difference. So instead of just maybe the placebo effect or maybe just me being really good at charming people and talking them into feeling better. Instead, you get to see the difference in our office. You get to see two x-rays. You get to see the the pre and post and get to see those results for yourself. Um, and that's I think that's why we've met success in our town and in our area because we don't step on toes. We don't try to steal every patient under the sun from other healthcare providers. And we give you results that aren't just the results you can feel. They're the results you get to see. And so once we make something measurable, everyone gets the little light bulb. Oh, shoot, this really does work. Now, that, that handles the physical therapy, I think, really well, Dr. Max. Now, Dr. Lucas, like, what are your thoughts on massage being just as effective as coming to see like a chiropractor to get adjusted and and have a lot of the the therapies that you guys kind of do to kind of work on troubled areas for people to be honest i think um it really depends on what the patient's presented to your office with um for example top three reasons go to chiropractor neck pain back pain and headaches um chiropractic adjustment for a specific type of headache is very very successful um, to share a little story, we had a younger patient that was on um, blood pressure medication and seen neurologists, all the other stuff, you know, every other doctor could not figure out why this girl's having these headaches. And they put her on at an early age in her teens, uh, blood pressure medication. And that was something that she probably would have been on for a very long time. Most likely for the rest of her life. Exactly. Which is terrible for you. Um, and we took x-rays of her neck, um, we looked at the structure, saw what was going on, started treating her, and in two visits, I believe with that one, uh, has has not had migraines. It doesn't have them anymore, so much so that now she wants to be a chiropractor. So I, I share that story to just to re- reality, uh, to give you a glimpse of how an effective an adjustment could be when it's made for the right reasons and appropriately. Um, in terms of massage, massage is a perfect adjunct to that. Um, we utilize them both together because reality of it is if there is a misalignment or joint irritation or capsular swelling through the spine, muscles attach directly to the bone. 
they work very well together. I tell patients sometimes, you know, uh, from the structural perspective, because we utilize the x-ray and that's what they're looking at. They see the bone, they see bony anatomy. Um, us as chiropractors, we're going to move the bone to get to the nervous system, but we utilize our therapies, particularly massage, to work on the muscular component of that because there's got to be a component to both facets. Chiropractic, I think, uh, again, it depends on the way the patient is presenting and what they're presenting with. But I, I would say in, in globally, the chiropractic adjustment would be more profound than the massage, but the massage is such a perfect adjunct to the adjustment that they're they're necessary together in most cases. Uh, we mentioned the upper cervical docs. They're upper cervical in that they adjust the top three segments of the spine, typically C1, your atlas. With the concept that the muscular system, fascial system, and proprioceptive system work together. That's why they think they can do that adjustment, deliver an adjustment like that to impact the rest of the spinal structures. Um, so I, I, mean, I hope that I answered that the right way. And I kind of went off of that question, but, uh, you know, me and Dr. Max are both very open providers and, um, not ego driven. So we have a massage therapist in our office that we work coherently with, uh, like you mentioned with PT. So the chiropractic adjustment goes beyond just the pain aspect of it. And, uh, it's works perfectly well with the massage, um, Okay, so something else I want to talk about real quick is the length of people's legs. This is something that you hear of all the time. They say, oh, this person is a quarter inch off of this side or that side or what have you. And, and what do doctors do? Like medical doctors, they put a little wedge in the bottom of your shoe to make up the difference so you're standing straight. So the, the feet are the same um, distance, I guess, or the length. And how common is that to have one leg that's actually shorter than the other and then their hips just don't need adjusted to kind of level them back out? So we call that an anatomical short leg. Anatomical short legs are typically only caused by an extreme break or fracture in the lower extremity, so in the leg or in the thigh. Um, if you've blown up your femur at some point in time, maybe fallen off a trampoline, or when you were a child, you broke your bone at the growth plate, um, that would trigger what's called an anatomical short leg. That a chiropractor is not going to do anything for other than prescribe you a heel lift. Yeah. Now, the other form of short leg is called a functional short leg. Functional short legs can be adjusted. That's basically when your pelvis and hips are out of alignment causing that imbalance and as we adjust those areas and bring them back to true neutral you can watch the leg balance out um, one of the coolest things about functional short legs is if i've got a if i've got more than one patient sitting in a room for an adjustment let's say husband wife combo or something like that when i'm correcting that pelvic misalignment the other individual in the room can watch that functional short leg balance out so again it's visual evidence this isn't chiropractic voodoo magic or anything like that even though it kind of looks like it as we're adjusting it you can use your own two eyes to see that balance out now the whole post x-rays with what we do that shows us truly if you have an anatomical short leg or not because if we take you through a series of care and we shoot a pre and post and your hip heights have not changed at all you probably have an anatomical short leg and that's when we would encourage a patient to wear a heel lift. And how common is that that you've seen? Golly, maybe one in a hundred, probably not even that often. 
So, so, it's, so it's very, very rare. Very unusual. Yeah, it's very, very unusual to see someone where we can't change their hip height and balance it out. Um, a lot of times, even with those individuals um, who have the anatomical short leg because of life and living on that anatomical short leg, the hips have actually become more and more and more out of alignment that their misalignments in their pelvis and low back are actually exaggerating their anatomical short leg. So we can still adjust them and reduce the difference in their leg lengths um, through our chiropractic care. So there have been several times where I've had a patient come in and say, okay, well, I've got an, I've got a three quarters of an inch heel lift in my right, right leg, in my right shoe. And we'll say, okay, well, let's do some pre and post. We'll shoot the x-rays. We'll see exactly how high one hip is versus the other when we're done with our care. And that'll tell you exactly how high your heel lift really should be. We'll take them through the series of care, adjust them, adjust them, adjust them, take those new x-rays, and there will be a quarter of an inch difference between the two hip heights. And we'll say, okay, well, here's the thing. Three quarters of an inch heel lift is going to actually be too much for you. You need a quarter inch heel lift. And I assume that's going to cause more problems with the hip and the knees you and got the ankles it. and everything else because everything's just getting pushed more and more out of alignment. You're overcorrecting. Now, now, granted, you might get them to where their hips and their pelvis are straight, and it still is, like you said, a quarter inch different because of whatever accident they might have had, but you can kind of mitigate a lot of those kind of problems. You got it. And that's, again, pre and post x-rays. That's objective. That's no longer me, you know, telling you you're better. That's not me, you know, when I show a patient in the room and I can smush one of their shoes up really high and make them look, I can't fake the x-ray. Uh, we tell every patient, I don't, I don't not address a patient. I don't adjust them in front of that x-ray machine or anything like that. I put them in front of the whiteboard and we say, stand as tall as you can when we do our pre and when we do our post. Other than that, we do nothing to them. We just make sure they're standing in a neutral state as tall as they can stand and we shoot the x-ray. So there is no gimmicking or anything like that. One of the other things we do with our post x-ray visit day, we don't adjust patients on that day. So when I'm going to shoot a post x-ray, that patient has not been adjusted that day. So we're showing them where we've trained the body to hold themselves. Yeah, I mean, that's the only way to do it. There's no right. other way to do that. So we're not adjusting them, then shooting the x-ray and saying, see how good your spine is. That would show them how good of an adjuster I was, but that wouldn't show them the quote-unquote fix part of chiropractic care. I want to show them that we've actually corrected it. And the only way to show them that we've corrected it is to not adjust them and shoot the x-ray and say, look, this was you on just a normal day when you weren't treated by us and look at how that's holding. Um, so again, we really do try to be as evidence-based and as objective as we can be with the care. It's simple to walk into our office. Of course, it's called the healthiest you. We got a lot of fit, healthy people working for us and say, oh, look, chiropractic works because we're all healthy and fit and young and vital. It, it would. It's too easy of an answer though, right? And I don't want to pay into the stereotypes that are created by us. So even though it's an easy answer, it's not the only answer to that question. That's why I try to be objective too. So you can walk in here and say, yeah, look at these guys. They're all healthy and fit and happy and vital. And on top of it, they use all this scientific care to get you better. So you're seeing the results in the person themselves and in their character and their persona, but you're also seeing the results through x-ray, through range of motion and orthopedic exam uh, as well to, to really bring the whole thing around into an entire an entire puzzle rather than just you know missing some pieces and being like yeah man those guys they 
they look healthy, they tell me that I'm going to get healthy, but I haven't really seen anything. They just tell me my back's misaligned. Um, instead, you get to see the whole part of it. So by the time you're done getting care here, you know as much about your spine as we knew about well, it. Well, yeah, and that's, I think, a big thing to think of because a lot of chiropractors that I've seen before I started coming here, they don't take x-rays. Yeah. So you just show up and they just start adjusting you and it's like, well, hold on a second. How do we know what's wrong? Or sure. you, you haven't taken any pictures of my body to see where the issue is. I mean, mm-hmm. how could you adjust someone until you x-ray them? To follow up on that, that's kind of cool because when I was a student uh, in student clinic, to get an x-ray of a patient is actually very difficult. Uh, you have to have a patient that's coming in from, say, a motor vehicle accident or a, a major trauma and then they'll let you x-ray them. Now, fast forward to being in practice and utilizing the pre and post system. Um, I was coming from a place where, yeah, I would I would adjust you, uh, get you feeling better, you know, palpate and that sort of thing, um, and then go from there. And now being in this system where we take pre and post, that mindset is totally out the window. Um, you get so much information off a patient's structure by utilizing the X-ray, and you we get questions a lot. You know, how am I doing, doc? How am I feeling? But I'll be honest, I don't, I tell them, you know, wait till we get to that objective finding in that post exam and that will be how you're doing. Aside from just symptoms, uh, you know, I'm a four out of 10 and before I was a seven out of 10. On a pain scale. Exactly. So when I'm treating a patient and, and, you know, they may not have a high pain level, but their x-rays needed a lot of care. So structurally they needed a lot of care. Um, you know, I go through our adjustment, I do my palpation, I feel what the tissue's doing, but in reality of it, because we utilize that post system, I tell the patient, you got to wait till that visit and we'll see what the structure's doing, how you're responding to care, how you're responding to the chiropractic care that we're delivering. Um, and, and it changed my output on chiropractic in general and just how effective the x-rays are and, and just a better clinical environment to deliver um, healthcare. Yeah. And I think that's something that people should definitely look for when they're looking for a good chiropractor is find someone who does pre and post x-rays. So you can actually see the difference of what's going on in your body. Now you brought up an excellent point about car accidents. That's something that when somebody has trauma on their body, if they fell off a ladder, if they fell down the stairs, if they were in a car accident, they need to come and see you guys ASAP, right? Immediately. Yeah. I worked for a doc in Dallas and, um, his sister had texted him one day there, her daughter fell, uh, I think through the, through the, one of the floors, but fell from a big distance and landed on her back. Well, it was frantic. You know, the six, the sister texted the doc, you know, um, you know, so-and-so went down, she fell real hard. We're rushing to the emergency room. Well, she went to the emergency room. Uh, they took x-rays of her. She had no fracture, and they said she was fine. <laughs> to that chiropractor, he freaked out. He's, she's not fine. That's a lot of trauma to the spine and to the nervous system. She needed to be checked immediately because of the trauma that she just you know, endured. Um, so that's a perfect example of motor vehicle accident. Whether you're going 5 miles per hour, 35 miles per hour, there's a lot of whiplash, a lot of trauma to the spine, a lot of movement to muscles and bone. They need to be checked. Uh, otherwise, their nervous system is not functioning as it was prior to that incident. So you don't need to exhibit a, a fracture from a trauma to, to need care. But you get a trauma, you need your, your nervous system checked. You need the spine checked. Um, now, what's, what's a good example of what is too little trauma to be worried about coming in? Like if somebody, let's say, like they roll over, they're sleeping on the couch, they, they fall off like a couple of feet. Like they obviously don't need to come in for something like that, I would assume. Correct. Well, especially if 
Um, you know, they're not exhibiting any symptoms. They might be less inclined to come in. Um, of course, we being chiropractors think everybody needs care. Um, and, and I do believe that, truthfully. My, my three-year-old, my one-year-old, they get adjusted, but they're rough and tumble. Uh, Dr. Lucas and I adjust each other at least once a week because we're stooped over a table adjusting everybody else at least once a week. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> you it's, know? it's so, a tough pr- like. Yeah, it's profession to be in. Like it'll it'll beat you up. Yeah, I always say that chiropractic is the most blue collar, white collar job <laughs> you could ever have because you wear a collar to work, but you are physical all day if you're doing it the way we do it. Um, so yeah, it it really depends on the individual and what they're looking for. Our office name again, the healthiest you. So if you're looking to be a healthier version of yourself, you're going to pop in and just take a look anyways, because you're being proactive about your care. Um, So that's the difference between proactive and reactive care. Reactive care is I was just in a car accident. I'm going to come into the chiropractic office uh, to get care to be better because I'm reacting to the pain and the car accident. Proactive care is I want to make sure I don't have problems down the road. I want to make sure I live as long as I possibly can. I want to make sure I don't end up with scoliosis or a hunchback and losing height as I age. And I want to make sure, I, uh, again, I live the highest quality of life that I can. That's proactive care. And chiropractors are great at that. So chiropractors are are very good reactive care providers, especially when it comes to spinal injuries um, and, and to... A large extent, extremity injuries, knees, ankles, hips, you know, elbows, wrists, shoulders. But our real strength comes in the ability to be the proactive healthcare provider saying, I don't want to end up on a surgeon's table. How can I stop that today, now, while I'm still a healthy, functioning individual? So we think of us kind of like fireproofing your house, where the medical profession is more the fire department. So we're going to try to stop the fire from happening, right? You smell smoke. We're going to try to deal with it then. We are not as equipped at putting out the fire as, let's say, the fire department is or the medical profession. So that's also you guys knowing what you guys are good at and realize when there's a big problem, you send them off to somebody who's really going to help. You got it. They are better at reactive care. We are better at proactive care. Um, and so that re- that's the simplest way to put it and to really not step on each other's toes. Be like, okay, you guys are reactive doctors. We're proactive doctors. So if we do our job really good, you won't be needed quite as much, um, but you're still going to be needed, right? People are still going to have babies. They're still going to do things like that where they're still going to need – car accidents are still going to happen. So if you go to any ER right now, they're they're all overflowing. Those people are all overworked because everyone uses the ER for everything anyways nowadays. Um, so it's interesting because we treat a lot of ER providers – and they're constantly telling us, man, if people would just come here instead of going to our darn ER, we wouldn't be so stressed and we wouldn't be buckling at the seams. But um, realistically, that just, just comes here. from education. Yeah, they just don't just know. just don't know. They just don't know. So that's Dr. Lucas and I's biggest task in our community is to educate the community. And luckily, we've, we've had a lot of success with that. So um, again, hopefully some of these, you know, conversations we've had today have kind of touched on all of the things in kind of debunking that myth that chiropractic is voodoo magic. Again, the origins of anything innovative seem bizarre, but that's until the science catches up with what people had been already doing. Um, So I kind of want to circle back to something that ties more into the bizarre origin of 
chiropractic because we had a fun story at the healthiest Jew. So we talked about it already. First chiropractic adjustment cured deafness or is what's in a book. Supposedly, yes. Cured deafness. Sounds bizarre, right? You said that makes it sound like chiropractic is bullshit. So I had a patient that I was treating through her pregnancy and that's how how I met her. She had back pain relating to the pregnancy. She already Which had, I assume is pretty common. Very common. We treat a lot of expectant mothers here. And we treated her through the pregnancy and she ended up having her baby nice and healthy. But probably I would say two to three weeks after the baby was born, and we had seen him in here with the mother, but we hadn't treated him or anything like that. The mom brought up to me, she said, hey, he had his first two hearing tests and he failed both of them. They think my baby's either deaf or very hard of hearing. I did some research online and saw that the first chiropractic adjustment cured deafness. Do you think you can help my baby hear? And I went, oh boy, this is, <laughs> this is, uh, uh, this is uh, the chiropractic universe coming after yeah, it's me. kind of a lot to so ask. So I said, you know what? An adjustment's not going to hurt your child. Uh, you know, getting pulled out of a tiny hole by your head is pretty darn traumatic. So giving him adjustment is not going to hurt him. And it may help with his hearing. Uh, you're exactly right. They say the first chiropractic adjustment cured deafness. So let's give it a go. I adjusted that baby one time. She took him back to the medical doctor and he passed his hearing test. I didn't want to accept credit for it. I still hesitate to truly accept credit for that. But the mom gave me all the credit. So she came in here and goes, he passed his hearing test. He hears just fine. We still see that child. He's about four years old now, and he hears just fine after failing his first two hearing tests with one adjustment. So it was a powerful moment for me. Those are the types of adjustments that really get you to believe in what you do. Yeah, and now, unfortunately, that's something that science can't really explain. No, I can't at the X-ray. Moment. I can't X-ray a three. Am I going to X-ray a three-week-old? Absolutely not. I felt his neck, saw the spots that were out of alignment, put him back into place using my fingertips, some very gentle adjustments, and then sent her on her way. So yeah, I'm not X-raying him or anything like that because clinically it would be inappropriate. So you're right. I can't. I, I can draw some scientific ties to it with the nervous system and part, portions of the neck that do relate to the auditory system, but I can't create a hardline research-driven article to explain why one adjustment to that kid's neck allowed him to pass his hearing test, but it worked. There's a pragmatic approach to it, right? You step outside and the sun's up, it's daytime, right? So... We watched it happen. And like I said, I still struggle to accept credit for it because it seems so powerful that it almost overwhelms me to give myself or our profession that much power. But it's your nervous system, man. It controls everything. You wouldn't exist without it. It's the difference between a piece of steak and a human being. So... That's what we're treating when we're treating the spine, which houses that nervous system. So I, I kind of wanted to circle back to that because it was a really cool opportunity for me. Um, Dr. Lucas has since had a chance to treat that that family and that child too. And he, he hears great. He runs around this place like a Tasmanian devil. That's what kids are um, supposed to do. Exactly. So 
it uh it's really cool because we you know we spent all this time today talking about the research and evidence-based aspect of chiropractic but then i do have those voodoo doctory moments where we do things for people and it fixes them and even dr lucas and i have to step back and go holy smokes i it worked our profession says it was supposed to work and i still can't believe it worked like that so interesting so we actually have one of those, and I thought it'd be kind of interesting to bring up here um, today and just uh, touch on that a little bit. So, yeah, uh, so chiro- I know we're, chiropractic we're, can help hearing. I know we're <laughs> running a little short on time here, but there's a couple more things that I want to get to before we kind of wrap this up. Now, one big thing that they talked about in the podcast and through the article was the fact that some chiropractors believe that adjusting the spine and the neck can cure you of needing vaccines. What are you guys' thoughts on that? So the, the core philosophy of chiropractic, and we've explained a few things, but the core philosophy of chiropractic is that if there is a subluxation, which they reference in the, um, the podcast, if there's a misalignment to the spine, and it doesn't need to be a gross misalignment. We're not talking C1 on C2, and it's a 90-degree angle to C2. That's not realistic. That's not what we're describing. Um, but if there's misalignment to the spine, in essence, it's affecting your nervous it's affecting your nervous system in so that the brain and body are not able to communicate as effectively. Um, throughout the spine, nerves exit the spine, they innervate muscles, they provide the sensations we feel, but they also end result into the organs. That's where the component of getting adjusted and removing that nerve interference would allow someone to flourish. So we say it often in our office that, you know, no, chiropractic doesn't cure everything, but it's for everything because of the simple design, or I call it a simple design, but I've, this whole time listening to us talk is thinking how complex the human body is, but the simplicity of a chart, you guys can't see, but this chart behind us right now, it shows us the structure of the spine. It shows you the nervous innervation to each of those organs. We talked about this previously. Matt, if you if your lungs were working at eighty percent, mine were working at seventy five. Neither of us would probably exhibit signs or symptoms that we had a lung deficiency. If it was producing, uh, you know, running at fifty to sixty percent of its efficiency, yeah, then you would start producing signs and symptoms of lung dysfunction of some sort. So on our end, very proactive model of health. If we're palpating you through the spine or we're looking at an x-ray and it's showing us, you know, misalignment to those levels, restriction to those levels uh, that would be interfering the health of the nervous system, then it's safe to say that the nervous innervation to that end organ may not be flourishing as well as it could be. So that's why you would adjust those areas. Um, and so that's that's kind of where he's tying into the vaccine thing. So our belief being that if the nervous system's functioning at 100%, you are giving your body its best fighting chance to resist disease or disease. Disease meaning injury. So I am not completely anti-vaccine. I'm anti-flu vaccine because if you understand the um, how how a flu works and how a flu virus mutates constantly and as quickly as it does you know that a flu vaccine can't make a tremendous amount of sense. This year, I think they said the flu vaccine was 10% effective. I think they say something like washing your hands is 15. So yeah, I mean, the vaccine wasn't even as effective as just washing your hands. Yeah, with the flu vaccine, they're, they're just guessing at which strain is going to be right. the worst, and they're hoping for the best. And I this mean. is this is the first time I've ever heard them say, 
um, that if you got your flu vaccine early in the season, you should get a second one later in the season. Of course, that they, they can thought, make more money. That okay, way. if it's if it's ten percent effective, let's just do the same thing again. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make it twenty percent effective. You're giving the same vaccine. It's not doubling its efficacy. Um, so, so what, what about the bigger ones like the outlandish. measles, measles, mumps, mumps, those kind yeah, of things? Yeah, so my children are vaccinated. I pace their vaccines, so they only ever get one shot at a time. And our, our, we have a medical doctor who is their pediatrician, and she is very upfront with me, and we communicate well, and she is very respectful of my wife and I's wishes, and respectful of me as a chiropractor. She sends patients here. So she's been wonderful about allowing us to do that and alternate the vaccination schedule. you got to find the right medical doctor or DO that's willing to allow you to do that. Um, I don't, as Dr. Lucas mentioned with our credit hours, I don't claim to understand everything about immunology and pharmacology. So I do have a pediatrician for those needs. And it's been very helpful. My kids are very, very healthy. But they've also never really had a bad reaction to a vaccine because I don't give them three at a time. They get one any time that they need one, then they're usually not going to get another one for three to six months uh, afterwards. And so they usually end up finishing out the day like a hummingbird. Um, my three-year-old hates shots, so she's pretty upset about that. I think most kids hate shots. Yeah, my one-year-old takes it like a champ. But either way, I, you know, I'm not anti-vaccine for those deadly ailments, okay? I don't want to bury my three-year-old. So anything that could put Or kid, get your kid sick and get absolutely. somebody else's kid sick absolutely. who's maybe autoimmune, like has Deficient. problems, yeah. and then they die. Yeah, and then they die. So I do, you know, when people are saying, oh, well, I wasn't immunized and, and I didn't catch it. Well, I do believe in what's called herd immunity. The viruses have to have a portal into a community. So if there's 10 people in a community, uh, to make this simple, and nine of them are immune to polio because of a vaccination, it's going to be really hard for that 10th one to catch it because there's not as many portals for that virus to make its way into the population. That makes sense. So I think that the more people opt out of vaccination the more you may see a rise in some of these ailments that we've previously thought to be extinguished. Um, And it is part of the reason that I still do immunize my kids. I leave that decision completely up to the parent to make their best educated decision. There's a lot of information out there, either by going to physicians, and you can use the internet. It's not always a bulletproof resource. And if you're using a team of physicians, they're going to be a much better resource for you. But you also want to make sure you're not using a biased physician's opinion. I'm always very upfront with my patients. If they ask me about vaccines, I tell them what I do for my family. I don't tell them what they should do because I'm just giving them information. Well, that's, that's their choice to make. It's, it's their not choice. Your choice they're the pa- exactly, and that's the way I view it. I'm not going to try to change their mind. I'm just going to tell them what we do, um, and I I've found that to. to to be the best way to not step on anyone's toes and to not alienate anyone. If you want to not vaccinate your children and be a patient here at the health issue, that's fine. That's great. If you want to vaccinate them exactly the way your medical doctor tells you to, that's fine too. That is the parent's choice. Um, but yeah, in our case, we are not anti-vaccine, um, just like we're not anti-medicine. We, But I do believe in pacing out the vaccinations because it can overwhelm a child's immune system. And you hear about it all the time. Oh, little Timmy got his vaccinations today, so he's kind of out of it or he's really fussy or whatever it is. 
I've never experienced that with my kids. She might be pissed off that she got the vaccine. Yeah. But, you know, because she got the shot. But it wouldn't matter if there was anything in the shot or not. She'd be just as upset if she tripped yeah. and fell and scraped her knee. Because it hurts. So Because yeah. it hurts. So, but I've never had to tell someone, oh, yeah, they're a little feisty today because, or they're down and out of it. Or, you know, their fever spiked up to a 102 because they got their vaccinations today. That's never happened. Um, bec- and I do believe it's because our kids are healthy. They eat right. They get adjusted regularly. And we pace out those vaccines vaccinations no, so that hopefully makes a that kind of sen- no that it. makes a lot of sense yeah. and i think that's a great way to go about it for people maybe who don't want to deal with their sick kids if they go in and get a whole bunch of shots all at once like i mean that's some more money because you're going to take more visits yeah. but i think it's probably better for the kids in the long haul now i think a good way to wrap this up is the fact that i, I want to talk about what to look for and what to look out for when someone's looking for you know chiropractic care because obviously if they're in northeast ohio it's simple just come here <laughs> i mean yeah. i mean the healthiest you chiropractic centers in strongsville is going to take care of you. you guys do an excellent job with that but if they're somewhere else and they can't make it here what are things that they should be looking out for for a good one and then also looking out for for a bad one to know okay this is not the one yeah so it's to go away it's one of the few professions I tell people. So if I have a patient and they move away, say, hey, I'll try to find your chiropractor. But if you just want to look on your own, it's one of the few professions where you want a younger doctor in the office. They don't have to all be younger doctors. There can be a 70-year-old chiropractor in there too. But he better have that 35-year-old doc that's kept him current or her current on the newest forms of chiropractic care because if you go in and the chiropractor's real old and they haven't really done the continuing education to stay current on their care they're going to give you 70 year old chiropractic care and that's what we have spent this whole time talking about the whole evidence-based chiropractic and research catching up with the profession well that's that's more recent so the first thing i always tell people is find an office that is younger or has a young doctor in it so my mentor has been doing it almost as long as i've been alive but what he does is he's constantly got a crop of up-and-coming chiropractors that he brings in and hires and work employs for about two years uh, before launching them into their practices. And what it does is it keeps him current on what's new and exciting and evidence-based in our profession so that he doesn't just continue to give 30-year-old chiropractic care. Instead, he's giving the newest form of chiropractic. Um, so that's one of the first things I tell people to look for. Okay. Um, looking out for... So a chiropractor who's going to tell you they can cure everything is bold and arguably arguably illegal, actually. It's out of our scope of practice and inappropriate. There are a lot of chiropractors who encourage prepayment for the care plan. Now, I am not against prepayment of a care plan, but make sure that chiropractor is absolutely using evidence-based chiropractic to treat you. So if they say, hey... Uh, this entire care plan is going to go the course of 36 visits and it's going to run you three grand. They better be using x-rays and evidence-based care to show you the value of that care. If you walk into a chiropractic office and they don't do any x-rays and they hardly take you through range of motion. Or run! You, exactly. Run. And then they tell you it's going to take 30 visits to fix you. They don't have very many patients and they're trying to make as much money off each one as they can. And, and, and. 
Again, those are the ones I would avoid. But if a chiropractor says, hey, we give you discounts for prepaying for your care, and we're going to take x-rays regularly throughout your care, and it's going to take 30 visits to fix you, and it's going to cost three grand, well, that's okay. That 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 is probably still a noble chiropractor, but you got to make sure they're using that evidence and research. Um, we allow prepayment of care, but we don't require it. Uh, our care plans tend to be small, so... The biggest care plan I'll usually put someone on is maybe 16 to 20 visits before I'm shooting new x-rays. Uh, but more typically, it's somewhere between 12 and 16 visits. And if and that really depends on the severity of the patient and their age. If I have a 20-year-old come in here, I might only see them 8 to 10 times and then shoot their x-rays because they're going to respond quick to what we do. Um, so those are some things to pay attention for. Um, Dr. Lucas and I pride ourselves on having all of the therapeutic modalities, so kind of serving as a one-stop shop for someone looking for that proactive health. So unless you want drugs or you want surgery, you can come here and get a lot of different services. You know, we carry biotics research and development supplements, so you can get your multivitamin here. You can get massage here from our massage therapist. Uh, you know, we can treat your spine and adjust your spine. You can get x-rays here. You can get therapeutic laser. Um, you can get all of those things, and that's um, that's the type of office that I think is the chiropractic office of the future. So something that um, people should be looking for, all the different kind of modalities. It. Inclusive, exactly. All as inclusive as they can be without being far-reaching. So we... Again, still staying in your lane, doing what you do. When it's over and above, you send them off to somebody else. You got it. Gotcha. Any chiropractor where you walk in the office and the <clears throat> chiropractor tells you, I'm your doctor now and you don't need any of the other ones. Run. You got it. You got it. Those, those are the things I would watch out for. Dr. Lucas, um, what, are your, what are some thoughts on that since you've been to a lot of different offices? You know, I, I everything Dr. Max said, I totally agree with. Hey, One hey, th- just because he's your boss doesn't mean you have to <laughs> yeah, agree yeah. with everything he says, all right? I know, I know. But he, he – Actually, his points were better than the point I was thinking of. But um, I, one thing that comes up a lot that I I care about, um, especially being a provider and being an open provider and not just being what he just said that, that, you know, I'm your doctor now, Matt. You listen to me and this is how things go. Um, Dr. Max's sister is a nurse. Uh, my brother's a physician's assistant. His wife is a nurse practitioner. We both recognize there's a time and place for emergency medicine and medical care. And, you know, we're in constant communication on how effectively to treat a patient or even just looking at an x-ray. Um, my brother gets some magazines in the mail uh, for uh, physician's assistants, and he shares those with me. Uh, the open-minded doctor, chiropractor, physician's assistant, nurse practitioner will be your most uh, beneficial healthcare provider there is, really just recognizing that you know, health is all encompassing. Uh, it's multifactorial and we can all really help a patient get well the right and proper way. Um, so that's, that's my favorite thing to tell patients is that, you know, we recognize your health matters. Um, and we're going to exhaust every option that Dr. Max and I are capable of doing to get that patient better. And sometimes that means referring people out right away or in, in that nature. But, um, yeah, that, that's something that just really stands out to me because a lot of people I mentioned in school, their background, their family background is all chiropractors. Those are usually ones that are that doctor that says, you know, I'm your primary caregiver. We're going to operate this way, you know, and they kind of shun the other ones out. Uh, we do not do that. And uh, I know that makes me more effective uh, provider. And I've seen that even in my family setting. Uh, 
treating my brothers, um, just treating different referrals from those providers. And as Dr. Max said, we we treat all the different uh, medical professions, uh, and they recognize in us that we will utilize them when it's necessary to do so. So I think that chiropractor of the future is is thinking about wellness. They're thinking about proactive and reactive care. They're, they're the all-encompassing doctor that everyone should have and um, trust with their own health. Excellent. Now, if somebody wants to come in and make an appointment with you guys, how do they do that? Uh, so a couple different ways. You can definitely shoot us a call. Uh, office number here is 440-238-3338. Uh, again, 440-238-3338. Uh, that'd be the easiest way. Uh, we're open six days a week. And uh, another way you could reach out to us, let's say you had some questions about this cast or something like that, or maybe you don't live in the area and you want our input on a chiropractor in your own area. Uh, you can definitely shoot us an email. Our email is thychiro at gmail.com. So T-H-Y-C-H-I-R-O at gmail.com. Fire us off an email. That is my email. So I keep that open every day that I'm at the office all day. And uh, we'll respond to it. We'll give you the answers that you're looking for. Uh, again, we're very open-minded. So if you have something that you think is maybe offensive or you're going to question something we said here, great, bring bring it to us. It's Both Dr. Lucas and I have very thick skin, so it's very, very hard to offend us about the chiropractic profession because I feel like being offended by any question or ridicule kind of shows my uneasiness about it uh, or maybe that I'm not as confident in what I do. And truth be told, we have too many success stories here to not be confident about what we do. I'm not cocky, but at the same point in time, when you come in my office and you have back pain, I'm going to get it better. And I'm very confident that I'm going to get it better. And the people who don't get better are either the people who don't follow our care plan or that's about it, really. The people who don't <laughs> follow our care plan. Because if it's something that we can't treat, we recognize that right out the And you rip. send them off to and somebody we send who them can't out. So them. if I tell you I'm going to get you better, we're going to get you better if you follow the care plan. Excellent. Yeah. Now, what's the uh, website that people can go to? And our website is www.thychiro.com. Fair so, okay. Yeah. Now, you guys are obviously more than welcome to plug your social medias if you want new followers. You. You guys want to plug those? or I have a Facebook page, Dr. Lucas Summers Facebook page uh, that could use some likes. Everybody go like and subscribe to that thing. <laughs> and then uh, we do have an Instagram channel. You can catch some chiropractic stuff. You can catch a lot of powerlifting, weightlifting, CrossFit stuff on there too. It is at T-H-Y underscore Cairo. So go ahead and um, follow us there and you can stay current on the different things we're bringing into the office as well as uh, catching different, uh, you know, videos of us lifting weights and competing in fitness competitions, stuff like that. So, you know, a heavy base of our followers are actually more on the powerlifting, weightlifting, CrossFit side of things uh, because we do post a lot of uh, videos and work with a lot of patients that way too. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you guys. This was a lot of fun and hopefully very uh, informative for people who don't understand chiropractic care like they should and hopefully it'll uh, inspire some people to go give them a shot thanks thank you for having us all right well we will see you guys next time all right well that wraps up another good episode of the podcast i really enjoyed that conversation 
Hopefully, it sheds some light on the podcast from Joe and Yvette about chiropractors or bullshit, and maybe put some different perspective on things. So hopefully, you know, you guys can make a better decision whether chiropractic care is something that's good for you or not. But I know personally, I will be seeing Dr. Max and Dr. Lucas to keep myself healthy going forward. Now, if you're still listening, I appreciate the heck out of you guys. As I always say, this podcast is a lot of fun. I'm enjoying myself. Hopefully, you guys are too. But we need to get out there and get some more reviews out for the show so we can get some new listeners. So please go out to Podbean, iTunes, and Stitcher. Leave the show some five-star reviews so we can get some new people coming to the show. We've got some new episodes coming out soon that I think you guys are really going to like that I'm looking forward to. We've got a return of one of our favorite guests, and we've got another return coming up talking about beer. That one is going to be a lot of fun. So as always, go out there, love everyone, have a great life, and let's make the best out of being alive. So we will see you guys next time on Uncensored Humanity.